his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Hey, welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. First hour focusing on perspectives from the left and the right when it comes to the Trump indictment 2024 and a plethora of other things. We bring on Carl Calabrese. Carl, good morning. Happy Sunday. Good morning, Joe. Uh, Carl, how did the wind treat you yesterday? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear you. How did the uh, wind treat you last night? Uh, so far, so good. I didn't lose power, so oh. that's always a good hey, thing. That's a positive. <laughs> Carl, uh, we've heard, you know, since last weekend when, the pres- when former President Trump uh, truthed out about um, getting arrested on Tuesday, obviously that didn't happen, but a lot of talk about, you know, the eventual indictment. What does this indictment mean? for President Trump when it comes to 2024? It means a couple of things, I I think, Joe. Um, In the short run, I think it would help him win the Republican nomination, uh, primarily because I I think his base of the party, he's got about 30% of the party really committed to Donald Trump, the man and and the politician. Uh, I think they will be supercharged and of course, in politics, especially when it comes to primaries, it's all about turning out the vote. Primaries are usually won with a very small turnout, of, overall turnout of voters. And so if you can, if you can uh, generate a big turnout amongst your base, you really put yourself in a big advantage. So I think it would certainly help him with his base. However, it will also depend on whether or not it's a two-candidate field or a 12, 14, 16-candidate field, uh, like it was back in 2016. Uh, you know, if it's if it's that many candidates, uh, Trump's really, really has a great chance. Uh, if it's a two or three person race, uh, then it could be a different story. And, you know, the Republicans, their primaries are a little bit different. They have a lot more winner take all primaries uh, contests. So uh, if you don't have a big field or the big field narrows down quickly by the time you get to the fourth primary, which is uh, South Carolina, that's a winner take all. Uh, you know, that, that could be a difference if it's just a, a two-man race. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that winnows itself out. But, you know, it certainly helps him with his base and supercharges his base, in my opinion. If he does win the nomination and gets to a, a, you know, a presidential run, that's a little trickier because you have to wonder, uh, you know, the, the presidential race is going to be decided by, you know, maybe 150,000 voters over four or five states, key states. 
uh, a lot of them suburbanites, a lot of them suburban women who voted against Donald Trump in favor of Joe Biden. And one of the major reasons, according to exit polling, was they just had had enough of Donald Trump the man. And they may have liked his policies, but they just couldn't put up with the drama and the fighting. And you just wonder if, if he's indicted and goes to trial, does that trial resurrect all of those memories amongst those swing voters who decided to go with Joe Biden because they just couldn't put up with the, the Trump roadshow anymore. So a little more complicated with the uh, national election with an indictment. And uh, we just have to wait and see how people react to that, if indeed it happens. We, we heard from uh, former governor uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, say that, you know, this is going too far. This is political, um, you know, kind of speaking in favor of Trump and saying that Alvin uh, Bragg has gone too far. Kevin Hardwick said the same thing last segment. Do you think Alvin Bragg is going to back off? Because there are some Democrats, not just Governor Cuomo, there are some Democrats saying this is going too far. It's going to help Trump. Or do you think Alvin Bragg will continue pushing forward? I don't think it's up to Alvin Bragg. I think it's up to the grand jury. If they refuse to indict, Alvin Bragg cannot indict on his own volition. He's got to, he's got to have his grand jury. He's got to get a majority of the 23 people on that grand jury. So, um, you know, he may, he may go full speed ahead in trying to get an indictment and not be able to cross the finish line with it. But I think it's interesting. I read that this morning as well, that Andrew Cuomo has now come out uh, and said, this is political and it, it's counterproductive. Uh, you know, this is more about Donald Trump, the man. This is about the process. This is about the politicization of the judicial system. Uh, it, it's about doing something that's never been done in our history, that we condemn other countries uh, in South America and around the world that go after political opponents after elections and arrest them. Um, this is well beyond Donald Trump the man. This is about perverting the legal process for political purposes. And that's not only wrong, but I think that's very dangerous and strikes at the very heart of what our republic is all about. You know, you talk about people in 2020 who voted for Joe Biden because they had enough of Trump the man. Do you think, I mean, we ha we're not even at four years of Biden yet. Do you think these first uh, years of Biden have gotten people to say, you know what, I guess I'll take Donald Trump the man because of the policies. Do you think that could help him in 2024? I, I don't know because, I mean, the, all of the polls showed in 2020 that people liked the Trump policies, but they just couldn't put up with the man. So we've already had an election where Trump policies were, were essentially on the ballot and people put them, you know, they put them in the second position on the ballot and, and voted for personality and style first. Um, now, whether or not we reach a break point with, with inflation, with the border, with crime, with, with China, with, with, you know, with all of the other things going on, possibly a bank panic. Um, you, you just wonder at what point do people say, okay, um, I didn't like him in, in 2020, I, but now I'll hold my nose and vote for him because things are just so bad. Um, plus, there's also still the possibility, Joe, and I've, I've held this out in my mind, that Joe Biden may not be the candidate. Uh, I think he wants to run very much. But physically, something might happen between now and then where health issues come into play, where he is not able to run. I think that's still a possibility. It's two years off. I'm amazed at how much he's failing in front of our very eyes, how frail he looks uh, uh, lately on television. And, you know, he's 80 now and he'll be 82 by election time. I just think we got to keep our powder dry and wait and see what happens here. Looking at the Republican field, obviously Ron DeSantis has not announced yet. Uh, he is in second place in any poll that I see. Uh, but there's, uh, there was talk that there, you know, that he would hold out till 2028. Do you think 
uh, Ron DeSantis should enter the 2024 race? Do you think he has a chance? Or with all this attention on Trump, would it be better for someone like DeSantis to not get his reputation, you know, uh, put down in 2024? It's already getting put down. You know, I've been following the polls on this. And in December, early January, DeSantis had a lead on Trump amongst Republican voters, uh, and in some cases, a, a significant lead. And then something happened. Trump began to attack DeSantis, and DeSantis essentially went into a defensive crouch. And it, it kind of proved my old, my old theory that, that I developed years ago, that when only one side fights, it usually wins. Uh, now, I think DeSantis has realized the, the error of that uh, of that decision, and now has has come out and has started to to hit back. But there's no question that Trump wounded him over the last couple of months by his uh, attacks that went unanswered. Uh, no, I, I think I, I would like to see Ron DeSantis get in the race, but I'm concerned that too many people get in the race. I read today that Chris Christie is contemplating uh, a race and will decide in the next 45 to 60 days if he's going to enter it. Uh, and so, if we have a big field. Then uh, Donald Trump will, will probably emerge as the winner. If you've got, if he's got 30% of the base, uh, that means there's 70% that is looking for an alternative. You saw that in 2016. If you total up the percentage of votes that Marco Rubio got and Ted Cruz got and all the other candidates got, uh, it was well above 50%. Uh, Donald Trump was able to win with 30, 32% of the vote because of so many candidates. So that's going to be, I think, the critical determinant of who wins this nomination in 2024. You know, I, I saw some of that rally yesterday in uh, Waco, Texas. And, you know, obviously, pre- uh, former President Trump talking about the 2020 election. He had images of January 6th. Does do you think he needs to start to campaign to the middle? I mean, if if he does get the nomination, 2016 worked out for him because he did get those moderate Democrats. Do you think there's a chance of him getting those moderate Democrats he got in 2016 again in 2024? Donald Donald Trump is not going to get moderate Democrats swing votes by rehashing the 2020 election that it was stolen from him. That that is not going to work. Um, elections are about the future, especially presidential elections. And you saw what happened in the in the 2022 midterm election with Senate candidates who were endorsed by Trump, who were essentially mouthing that line about the 2020 election. Almost all of them lost. Um, the voters don't like that. They, they're not buying into it. They want to move on. If Trump makes that the center point of his campaign, I, I don't think that bodes well for him. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see how he develops that. But right now, I got a very queasy feeling about him trying to resurrect the, the 2020 election and fight over that. That has that not proven to be successful at the polls at all, just about any level. You know, uh, within the Republican Party, Carl, there does seem to be a little disagreement when it comes to funding Ukraine. You've got members in Senate and Congress who will vote for it. Uh, but on the campaign trail, it doesn't seem to be overly popular. Do you think the that policy will play into the election? And, and what side will win within the uh, Republican Party? Oh, I certainly think it will be uh, an election issue uh, if the war is still going on. And if it is still going on in 2024, then it's going to be, no question, it's going to be a stalemate. It's going to be like World War One with trench warfare, with lots of bloodshed, and very little movement of, of the forward lines. Um, and, you know, I, I had this discussion with a friend the other day about the Republican Party and its support or non-support of Ukraine. And I said, you know, democracies do not like endless wars, okay? And every war we've ever gotten into in my lifetime, starting with Vietnam, always starts off with a huge amount of public support for the war. And then as the war drags on and casualties mount, and most importantly, there's no definition of victory, 
There's no exit strategy. Uh, there's no overall strategic purpose of the war that's explained to the American people. What happens to that public support? It tanks. And you're starting to see it happen now with public support for Ukraine, not just amongst Republicans. And I, I just think that if this thing goes on and Joe Biden is still well, and is incapable of stating what America's vital national interests are in this war and what our strategic interests are, as long as that's kind of fuzzy and the only thing he says is we're, we're in it for as long as it takes, uh, I think you're going to see public support across the board, Republican, Democrat, and independents drop. Um, and as I said uh, with David Bellavia a few weeks ago, I don't know what the, as long as it takes means. Does that, is the it there, does that mean driving Russia back be, uh, be, uh, to the borders that existed before the February 2022 invasion? Does it mean driving Russia out of Crimea, which they took over in 2014? Or does it mean what Zelensky has said, that the war can't end until Putin is toppled from power? What does as long as it takes means? And Joe Biden has not explained that to anybody yet. So uh, again, I think time is against Biden if he does not explain in very clear, concise terms what is our national, vital national interest in supporting Ukraine and continuing the war. It's only a matter of time before you start to see those numbers tank. I want to take a look uh, local here in New York State. We're starting to, are still seeing pushback from Democrats when it comes to the proposal of the ending of fossil fuels by 2030, 2035, depending on uh, what we're talking about. Um, and we saw it from the Erie County Legislature. We, we've even heard it from Sean Ryan. He said on this program last week, there's a pause in Senate. Do you think that this actually has a chance of being taken out of the budget or is downstate just a little too strong? Well, right now, downstate, downstate is a little too strong, but again, all politics is local. If some of these downstate senators and assembly members are having town hall meetings and they're getting a lot of pushback on this, uh, I think you could see Sean Ryan's position of a, quote, pause uh, become the way out for them. They don't, want, they, they don't want to step back too far and they don't want to abandon it because I believe it's their long-term goal, but they need to bring the temperature down and... and a pause might be the way to do it. But I'm not surprised at all. When I looked at the last Siena poll from a few weeks ago, and I saw that in upstate New York, which would include obviously Sean Ryan's district, uh, opposition to this was 71%. And I said, there's no way a Tim Kennedy or a Sean Ryan is gonna swim upstream on this thing with 71% opposed. Uh, and so there's major pushback on it. But you know, the left will not give up on this. I, I read uh, this week that uh, the federal government is going to come out with new regulations on uh, window air conditioners uh, that could, could really curtail the use of those or at least drive up the price, uh, which will curtail the use of them. Uh, this is the long-term goal of the left is electrify everything. And uh, we're moving towards it already. I mean, it's state policy that any new small building in 2025 cannot have natural gas. And a, large, a new large building, I, I believe in 2030, will be prohibited from using natural gas. So they're gonna get there one way or another by hook or by crook, uh, unless the voters of the state uh, speak up loud and clear that this is not the policy they want pursued. Carl, on Friday, I talked about, you know, at home, when I have to make a budget, I have to work with what I'm given. I can't go and take money from someone else. It seems like New York is looking for anything around to take money from to make uh, this new budget the second highest in the country. Now with a streaming tax, 
uh, to fund the down the, the New York City subway. Carl, when does it get ridiculous? When do does everyone in Albany just say, you know what, we we can't keep on taxing. We have to start cutting from this budget. Oh, it's not going to get that way in Albany until people elect a new legislature. Um, the legislature that's in place now, uh, there is no end in sight. They, you know, anything that moves can be taxed, uh, and they're showing that. Plus, New York is. New York has made a science out of budget gimmicks over over decades, both parties, uh, you know, doing things off budget and authorities and and debt and all kinds of off budget gimmicks that allow them to increase spending and not necessarily show it in a budget. But, you know, voters are speaking already, but and voting already, but they're doing it with their feet. Uh, there's a good reason why New York State has led the nation for two years in a row without migration. It's because people have said, I got to go to greener pastures and there's plenty of alternatives in this country where I can raise a family, have a good quality of life and keep a lot more of my hard earned dollars that I earn. Uh, and so, you know, they, they're going to continue to do that. And the problem is those people tend to be the people who have good incomes or have small businesses or large businesses and employ people. And when they leave, they take all that with them. And the only people left behind are people who are over time are not going to be capable of, of paying the bill for the, the, the welfare state that the New York has become and seems to want to continue to enhance. So, um, you know, the, the long-term prospects of New York are not good. Kathy Hochul realizes it. I mean, she's, she's talked about the need to, to reverse that out-migration trend, but, you know, words and actions right now are not matching up. She agrees that it's, it's a problem, we've got to reverse it, but all the actions are bigger and more expensive government and therefore more taxes. So, um, you know, this is going to play out eventually, but for right now, people are taking matters into their own hands and simply leaving. Carl, you know, I, I would I would ask uh, New York State to just listen to this station for a week and hear how many callers used to be Western New Yorkers now living in Florida. <laughs> you know, I mean, how many times we go no to the question. line and it's someone from Tampa. No question. And uh, but the problem is New York City. <laughs> We've said this many times before, Joe, for every three people here in upstate New York, there's five folks who live in New York City. And it's just a different world politically. I mean, government and politics, uh, New York state politics was was my business, was my life for my, my entire adult career. It is just a different animal with the way they think politically. It is very far left and going farther and farther left as the years go on. And they seem to be immune from the the, the ramifications of their policies because New York is New York. It's a it's a it's the financial capital of the world and businesses that house themselves there seem to be able to absorb all of these costs. But when you have a different economy upstate and those costs can't be absorbed, people go out of business or they go out of state. And uh, until that until the, the ramifications of their policies begin to affect New York City residents and businesses the way they affect upstate residents and businesses. The, the legislature and the types of legislation they pass is not going to change. All right, last question, Carl. You mentioned the Siena research poll. About a week ago to the minute, I asked uh, State Senator Sean Ryan this question, and eh, it, it went predictable. Um, both in the Siena research poll, a majority of, America, uh, of New Yorkers say both political parties have gone to the extreme. What do you think members of each party can do to maybe not have that perception? Well... It's it's kind of the times we live in, Joe. Uh, both parties have now catered to their base vote um, in primaries, and that's what really is, is the real fear with most elected uh, officials in both parties is not necessarily losing a, an election, but losing a primary election. And they know that in those primary elections, 
the base votes. And with the Republicans, it's they lean to the right. And with Democrats, they lean to the left. And so that's the catering that's going on now. And, you know, the middle seems to be forgotten. Uh, I don't know how we get past it. I think it's a phase uh, that we're going through. It will change. It will, it will come to an end eventually. When, I have no idea. I don't think anybody does. Uh, and maybe we'll get back to a more moderate, you know, uh, attempt to uh, reach the middle. Uh, but right now, it's all about the base vote. And, and, and party leaders on both sides of the aisle believe that you can win an election by supercharging your base, that you really don't need the moderates anymore. And until that changes, the, the mood and the vocabulary and, and just the temperature of political debate is going to continue where it is now. Carl Calabrese, you can hear him every Friday at 1 with David Bellavia. Uh, Carl, always great catching up. Same here, Joe. Thank you. All right. That is Carl Calabrese. Again, you can catch him Friday at 1 with David Bellavia. When we come back, we're going to D.C., going to speak with Dave Leventhal, get an update on D.C. happenings. And then at 1130, we're going to go back to an interview I had with Amherst Supervisor Brian Culpa on some of the pushback to local um, development proposals. That and much more next on Hardline. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.